This morning, we're blessed to have Mindy Odland as our speaker. She is an inspirational speaker, author, and consultant in the area of personal development and spiritual leadership. She's the creator of the Spirit Group Small Group Ministry Program, providing leadership training for mission-driven individuals and organizations through the use of her five disciplines for personal and organizational growth. The author of What If It All Goes Right, Mindy has spoken to audiences around the world about the power of positive thinking and the benefit of small group support. She is the founder of Unity Online Radio, Unity's online radio network, where she hosted their first weekly broadcast, The Leading Edge. As the network producer, she grew the network to more than 20 programs, 100,000 listeners, reaching people in more than 60 countries which is pretty cool. Through her work with Unity, she served as a producer for Jesus and the Awakening to God Consciousness, um, a PBS documentary featuring Deepak Chopra and Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell. She also hosted and produced Unity's special online video production of An Evening with Eckhart Tolle. Mindy is an advisor to the Association for Global New Thought and author of Let It Begin With Me, 21 Voices of the New Peace Movement. Mindy is a certified passion test facilitator, SQ21 facilitator, and a master practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming. So join me in welcoming Mindy Odlin. Thank you. Good morning. It's good to see you again. It's been a couple years since I've been here. I brought some of my friends over here. You notice these guys? You know what this is? They're Russian nesting dolls. They're called matreskas. It's fun to say. You want to try it? Matreska. Go ahead. Give it a try. Matreska. It's fun. It's a Russian nesting doll. And these go back hundreds of years in Russia. And there's a, there's a folk tale. There's an old Russian folk tale that describes where this concept comes from. They're nesting dolls. So I'd like to share with you their story. This is the story about a grandmother. Here she is. I'll set her right here so you can see her really good. You got a grandmother here. We have a mother. We got our mother. And that mother had with her three daughters. So we have our eldest daughter here. And we have the middle daughter, that would be me and my family, middle child, and of course the little tiny one at the center, Oksana, was the youngest. So this is a story about these three daughters and their mother and grandmother, and they all lived at the top of this beautiful mountain, like that. (laughs) There's your visual aid. They lived at the top of a mountain, and the little one, Oksana, one of her favorite things to do was to run down the mountain. But when she would do that, she would always bring one of her sisters because, as everyone knows, there were wolves on the mountain, and they wanted to make sure she was safe. So whenever she went running down the mountain, the sister always went with her. Well, on this particular day, all the women were gathered at the top of the mountain, and they were preparing for a festival. And they were designing these beautifully colored scarves for the festival. And the eldest daughter created a scarf like so, for little Oksana. 
And Oksana was so excited about her own little scarf that her sister had created for her that she started, she went outside and she just started dancing and sort of twirling around with it and dancing and twirling and dancing and twirling and had this wonderful time. And her mother called out to her and said, you know, don't go too far from home. And Oksana was so smitten by her new scarf that she just kept dancing and swirling and dancing and swirling. And she didn't realize it. But as she was dancing and swirling, she was going further and further and further down the mountain. And it was this middle child, the middle sister, who decided to take a break from making scarves. She looked out the window to get some fresh air. And there in the distance, way out in the distance down the mountain, she saw this speck of color. And she went, oh, no. That's Oksana. She's wandered far from home. So she rallied all the women of the family, and they rushed down the mountain. And when they got to her, she was startled because she had no idea that she had wandered so far away. And so they all embraced her because they were so happy that she was safe. And together in that embrace, in that embrace, they made their way back up the mountain. And that is the story, the folktale behind the Russian nesting dolls. And I don't know about you, but I've had my moments where I sort of have that awakening experience where I'm like, where am I? How did I get here? Halfway down the mountain. You ever have those moments in your life? It's like, I don't, I'm not sure how I wandered so far away. I got distracted. I got distracted from my home at, top, at the top of the mountain. So today is really about that journey that journey of awakening to where we are. I'm clicking. Is that what that is? I know Stephen's back going, make those come off. I'll stop clicking. Uh, so this is about our journey back up the mountain. And how do we do that? And there are five spiritual disciplines represented by our, our nesting dolls here that when we bring them together and align them, they allow us to make that journey back up. There was a quote by Nietzsche that I love. He says, whenever I climb... I am followed by a dog called Ego. Anyone have that dog? I have that dog. <laughs> I think in New Thought, a lot of times we give Ego a bad rap. We think that Ego is a bad thing, and we try to you know, get rid of the Ego. You don't want to get rid of your Ego. <laughs> you can't get rid of your Ego. Ego is, is what helps us navigate the physicality of our world. Um, it can be a bad dog <laughs> sometimes, but with training... It can be a very good dog. And so that's what this is about. It's like training that dog called Ego. So that dog does the things you want it to do. There's a show called The Dog Whisperer. Anybody watch that show? It's Caesar Milan. And he takes these dogs that are totally out of control, like the owners don't even know what to do with this dog. And Caesar will be with the dog for like two minutes, and he'll be like, Shh. and the dog is suddenly like, <laughs> you know, like, whatever you say, whatever you say, I will do it. That's the kind of ego I want. I want an ego that responds to my higher self like that. Wouldn't that be great? Higher self says, here's where we're going. And my ego goes, yes, take me with you wherever you want to go. That's the kind of dog I want. So there are five disciplines. And I know in, in New Thought, we don't like disciplines. We want to just, you know, be free and not have to do a lot of deep work. So I call them disciplines because they really are disciplines. It's just like working out. When you're disciplined enough to take care of your body, your body lets you do more. When you're disciplined in your spiritual life, you're able to experience spirit more fully. So these are five spiritual disciplines. Jesus actually gave us a really good model for how to do this in his, in his example for how we pray. He made it very clear. It's interesting. If you ever really listen to the Lord's Prayer, there's really not much for us to do except for one thing. So in the beginning, 
It's sort of an invocation, our Father in heaven, your name is holy, hallowed be thy name. And then here's the prayer. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's really the prayer. And then everything else is take care of me so that I can do that. And so that I can have thy will be done on earth in the physical plane as it is in heaven in the spiritual realm. Have love manifest on earth. Have compassion manifest on earth. Have peace manifest on earth. That is our prayer. That's what we're here to do. So it, it, it's, it's a beautiful journey. There are, really, there are five aspects of how do we do this. And it begins with this tiny, tiny little mustard seed here. <laughs> so oxada is the one that represents communion. Communion is our prayer and meditation practice. It's what we're doing right here together. And it is at the center of everything. If this one's out of whack, nothing else works. So this is the place to begin, even though it's so, so tiny. It's at the center of everything. So your communion practice is your prayer practice, your meditation practice. It's the things that you do to help you feel connected. It's, it's your sabbatical. You know, it's, it's going, for me, it's, it's taking a, a walk through the mountains. It's hiking. It's nature. It's singing. It's poetry. It's writing. It's whatever it is for you that has you feel that connection, that that is at the heart of our spiritual journey. And when that one's out of whack, we start feeling like we have to make things happen. you got to work harder, work harder, instead of allowing and trusting and being guided So this is the first spiritual discipline. I invite you to kind of imagine your own spiritual mountain on a scale of zero to ten, ten being top of the mountain. How are you in your life in terms of your communion practice, your prayer practice, your self-care, taking care of yourself? Just think about it for yourself. Where are you on that mountain? And let us affirm for communion together I experience my connection with the divine. Together, I experience my connection with the divine. Excellent. So that is at the center of all things. And then once we have that practice in place, we can grow and expand. The second spiritual discipline is this discipline of connection. So where at the beginning, it's about connecting with the Christ within me, the divine within me. Connection is about Connecting with that divine within others. Recognizing that presence that is within me is also within all other people. And isn't it fun? Isn't it fun when we get to connect with that truth in community? So that's what connection is. And it's a really important part of our spiritual journey is to have fun, to make friends, to have community where we can um, be of like mind, we can share the journey together. That that's a really important part of this, our spiritual development. In fact, when we don't have this in a healthy way, you know what happens? You know those people who have friendships and the whole friendship is based around, let's talk about what's going wrong. You know, it's like, here, let me tell you all the things that are wrong with my health, my job, my family, whatever it is. And these relationships are born around our complaint. So, Connection is about bringing that sense of communion into our relationships and being able to connect with people at a higher level, at the level of our vision, at the level of our dream, at the level of our purpose. And that is an amazing experience. So think about on your own mountain, <laughs> zero being the base, 10 being the, the ultimate. How are you doing with the spiritual discipline? Do you take time for friendship, for fun? Are you doing things that you enjoy with other people? 
You're socializing, you know? At what point, you know, where, where do you fall on that mountain? Where do you see yourself? And let us affirm for this one, I celebrate the God I see in you. Together? I celebrate the God I see in you. Take a deep breath in. That feel good? So I think of these first two as an inhale. It's that breathing in the God that's within me, breathing in the God that's within you. These feel so good, don't they? In unity, in new thought, I find that we're really, really good at these. We're really good at prayer. We're really good at potlucks. We like to get together. We're usually really good. So we look at where is the next step. So the next step as we grow in our spiritual journey We can't just inhale all the time. (laughs) You got to let it out. And that's what this third spiritual discipline is. This is the discipline of compassion. Compassion is being there not just in our joy and our celebration, but being there with each other, for each other, when times are difficult. There's a quote by Mother Teresa I love. She described what her job was. What does she see her job as? She said, every day... I see Jesus Christ in all of his distressing disguises. Isn't that beautiful? That's what compassion is. Every day, it's not about pitying. It's not about, you know, charity. It's about every day seeing Jesus Christ in all of his distressing disguises. I love that. The last time I was here was about two years ago. It was a strange Sunday to be here because it was the Sunday when the wildfires were coming down the mountain. And I got to see how compassion works in this community. I got to see the circles of people reaching out to circles of people to make sure people were okay. I got to see the clothing being collected. I got to see a community mobilized in compassion for each other. That is a spiritual discipline. It's part of our path. So think about on your own spiritual journey, zero to 10. Where are you in, the term, in terms of compassion? You know, are you there for the people that are in your circle, in your community, in your family, is that getting expressed on a scale of zero to 10, with 10 being top of the mountain? And let us affirm for this one together, I connect with the Christ in all of its distressing disguises. Together, I connect with the Christ in all of its distressing disguises. So this is where we take all that fullness that we breathe in and we give it back to each other. And as we grow in our spiritual disciplines, the next step then, you know, these all start with C. That makes it really easy. The next one is community, which is taking our awareness beyond our individual lives, beyond just our spiritual community, and looking out to our local community, to our national community, to our global community, and taking the things that we understand, the principles that we know, and expressing them in a bigger way in the world. That's what community is. So a lot of times I think when we talk about community, what I see happen is we think, oh, we'll do a food drive or a coat drive, or we'll, we'll do some kind of thing where we collect money for something. So I invite you to think of community in a broader way. Think of community as a way of expressing all that you have lined up, all that you know, all that you believe, taking those beliefs and putting them into action in the world. That's a little more challenging, because what it requires us to do is to be vocal about what we believe, to be active, to demonstrate what we believe. So it's not just about collecting food for the food pantry. Or I had one church that I went to where they were doing this wonderful um, clothing drive, professional clothes for women who were uh, going through transitions and needing to get jobs. And they were doing this really cool 
drive. And I said, you know, part of it is bringing the stuff. But the bigger part, the part that's really life-changing, is recognizing that in doing that, it's not because they need it. Right? It's not out of a sense of neediness or us being, having more and so we give. It's a sense of us recognizing our connection with each other, our oneness with each other, and the blessing of being able to connect with that aspect of our humanity in service to each other. That To me, that's what service is about, and to be able to communicate that. To do that requires us to take risks with the world that says, you know, well, I don't believe like you believe. And those who are judgmental about us because of the way that we believe. So we don't want to put it out there all that clearly. But when we do bring our belief system into our service to the community, the amazing thing that happens is we get to be authentic in the world. Not just where it's safe in our spiritual community. We get to be authentic, who we are 100% out in the world. So let us affirm for this one. Let's see. This one's kind of long. We'll do it in two parts. I put my faith in action. I put my faith in action by connecting in service, by connecting in service with the greater community, with the greater community. Three parts make it easy for you. (laughs) So that's the exhale. So we breathe in with communion. We breathe in with connection. And then we give it out through compassion. We give it out through community. And that brings us to our fifth spiritual discipline, our big grandma here. This one represents challenge. So it's one thing to breathe in and breathe out, breathe in and breathe out. But once you really get good at breathing in and breathing out, the next challenge is breathe deeper. Breathe out more. How can we do more? How can we do these and do them more? How can we challenge ourselves so that we don't get spiritually complacent in our lives? So that we're constantly looking for what is that next area where I can learn and I can grow? So if you think about on your own spiritual mountain, are you challenging yourself in your spiritual journey? Are you challenging yourself to serve in bigger ways, to care for each other in bigger ways, to to give in bigger ways than maybe you ever have before? So that is the discipline of challenge. And I love how, one of my favorite Jesus quotes, and I love it because it's so unexpected. It so doesn't sound like Jesus, which makes me think he probably really said it. (laughs) So one of the quotes I love from Jesus, he says, do not think that I have come to bring peace on earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to set man against his father and daughter against her mother and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and one's foes will be members of one's own household. Which at first glance does not sound very Jesus-y, does it? (laughs) But I love this because when I really started to reflect on it, I thought, you know, the greatest challenge we have sometimes is not the obvious things. It's not those that are, you know, the enemies that have us go deeper. It's usually the people in our lives that love us, and we love them, and we want them to be happy, and we want to please them. And sometimes we're so concerned about pleasing those people that we love that we neglect our calling, that we don't always follow the path that we know we're called to do because They don't want us to do that. It doesn't feel safe to them. It's not out of anything negative. It's just that they love us and they want us to be safe and they've got their filter of what that looks like. So the greatest challenge, I love how Jesus said, I came to bring a sword to cut that away so that you can be a clear channel for what you're here to do in the world. That that's what it's all about. So let us affirm for challenge. Here's our affirmation. I connect with the truth of my infinite potential together. 
I connect with the truth of my infinite potential. We're never done. There's always an area where we can grow. So the five spiritual disciplines, we have communion at the center, connection, compassion, community, and challenge. And what I invite you to do is to think about, in these five areas, which one is calling to you today? If you were to pick one and work on it for the next 40 days, which one do you think it would be? Sometimes people pick the one they feel the weakest in, or sometimes it's the one you're strongest in, and it's just being called to express more. So communion, prayer, meditation, connection, compassion, community, challenge. Think about what it would be for you. I actually have a, uh, a questionnaire, a little self-assessment survey. I call it a spiritual selfie that you can take <laughs> to um, reflect on each of these areas. And I have a mailing list. If you'd like to join my mailing list, I'll send it out to you so that you can download it and, and take it at home. But it's a really good way to look at how are these five areas expressing in my life. And when we do small group ministry at the beginning of every small group series, everybody in the group goes through the assessment, identifies an area to grow, and then has the group accountability to be checking in and seeing, you know, are you challenging yourself in that particular area? So it's a really great way to make sure you're always on your best game <laughs> in your spiritual life. And there's a bigger picture, too. When I, uh, I was the spiritual leader of Unity of Wimberley in Wimberley, Texas, outside of Austin. And when I was there, I had this dog. Now, I got the dog long before I was doing any spiritual work. I actually, my, my ex-husband my husband at the time, was a construction worker. And this little puppy had been left on a construction site. And he brought it home because it was rainy, it was cold, it was October, it was fall in Texas. And he brought it home just for the night, and then we never let it go back. This is adorable little dog. And he, he was really clumsy. He used to run into everything. And, you know, he, would, he was so excited. He was just so like this little love ball. He'd jump on us and lick us. And he was just all kinds of energy and enthusiasm and love. And, and I loved it. It was great. Problem was, puppy got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And there comes a point where jumping and licking people and all that, it's like people are like, "Uh, it's okay. I don't need to get to know your dog. So when people would come over, I'd always have to put him in another room. He could never be around anybody because he was so loving. (laughs) He was over the top. His name was Ted. Well, my husband now is kind of a dog whisperer. So when I first met my husband, one of the first things he did we start working with my dog. And really, you know, when you work with a dog, you're also working with the owner too, because I had some issues that were reflecting in my dog. So my husband comes along, starts training my dog. And suddenly this dog that I couldn't ever have out in public with me became this amazing, well-trained, we could take it into Home Depot, he would heal, he would stop, he would do, you know, he was just really well-trained. And what was great about that was this dog had so much love in it that when he was trained, I could take him out anywhere, and he loved people. So when I started the Unity Church in Wimberley, Ted became the church dog. And he was the best church dog because he would have, you know, he was, he was like the welcome team, <laughs> the original welcome team. Every person that came onto our facility was greeted by Ted, the church dog. And he would wag his tail, and he'd just sit there patiently. He never jumped. He never begged. Potluck Sunday, maybe a little bit. <laughs> He'd sit there. He loved Potluck Sunday. He'd sit there and just give you those big, you know, he was a Springer Spaniel, those big old eyes. And uh, you know, he loved the kids. The kids would gravitate to him. I remember I had some, someone come to church once who was, she was going through a really tough time in her life, was really uncomfortable with churches in general. 
and she came to visit us for the first day. She, was, she went straight to the hospitality room. She was kind of hiding by the coffee table. And there goes Ted. <laughs> he greets everybody. So he goes, and he just sits next to her and wags his tail. And suddenly, it's like all the barriers come down. And she's like, okay, I could come to church here. <laughs> she felt a connection that she wasn't ready to have with human beings. I did a, a memorial service where it was, it was a tragic rattlesnake death, Texas. And the children of this woman, who was a member of our congregation, they were uh, in college, college-aged, and they were sitting on the porch with the father and really in deep grief and having a difficult time as we were doing the plans for the memorial service. And we sat on the back porch, and I remember they were both in, in rocking chairs, and they were looking down. And here comes Ted, <laughs> and he just sits right between them. And he just sits there, and any time they would look at him, he'd wag his tail just a little, just like to let him know that it was okay. You know, I, I think that dog was born to be a minister. He just had it in him. So if you ever have a chance to go to Unity of Wimberley out in the hill country of Texas, next to the labyrinth under a big oak tree, there's a stone for Ted the church dog to remember him. And I share the story with you because I think it's a great example of what happens when we discipline our ego. You know, when we are disciplined in our spiritual practice, what it opens up to us is our purpose. It allows us to do the things that we were brought here to do. So with that, let us affirm together, thy kingdom come, together, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, together, on earth as it is in heaven, and so it is, so it is, God bless, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you.